0: The Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky.
1: Mm. Last night I tried some raw oysters. I, don't know, I want all my picks back and I want David goddamn Putney just because I feel like it. You're out of your mind. I am Dre Fogue and I'm the transfer.
2: Coach, show them just in case they don't like you. Oh, Can you go buy another one, coach, if you need one? Hold
0: on. We get a <laughs> <laughs> Errant Rogers. E-R-R-A-N-T Rogers.
2: Back to the podcast. Coming at you weekly these days in the off season. Um, super excited for this show specifically. Got uh, Lee and Tommy on the line back in uh, the home state studio three. Yes hey boys, it. Zoom.
1: Happy to be here. Doing doing good. Summer has officially begun, and I uh, I don't currently have a job so. I'm excited for this.
2: The Murray I mean, boys are both jobless, we're, we're, but we're, uh, we're grinding. We're, we're
0: grinding. We're grinding on that NFL news, and that's
1: all that matters. We're hanging. We're hanging in there. So Dolan, Dolan's
2: on. out on that back judge private jet yep. so to Cali. Gonna bring us back some nuggets. Business hopefully,
1: trip. Dolan's on the business trip.
2: <laughs> um, we're gonna start out today's show with some some news, but. Um, just on the docket for you today, we got Cliff here. to introduce you guys to the Cliff Year. We've been cooking it in the in the back judge oven for a minute here, but we're, we're ready to reintroduce it to, to the masses. And then uh, I also have a little special topic. I don't want to break it yet because I want to have a, a nice little organic discussion from you boys about it. Um, but but just something that was kind of on my mind, and I wanted to, I wanted to clear up some things. So absolutely, uh, stay tuned for that. I'm keeping uh, that. keeping the talent on their toes.
1: Of course. I'm really <laughs> yes. looking forward to that. Now i got something to seriously look forward to at the end of this show. Yeah. But uh, let's start um, it off, Clep, with uh, – Let's define Cliff here probably. No, too, no, no. I-, I was just going to say the Jonah Williams news here. Big news coming out of Cincinnati that uh, he's not going to be playing all year. Torn, yeah, torn he labor. Uh,
2: had uh, torn labor apparently. Requires surgery, going to be out. I'm asking you guys a text. I'll pull it up here, but the Bengals' first-round picks uh, over the last, what, seven years?
0: Yeah, I believe seven
2: years. Yeah, going back to 2012, the only guys to play more than 500 snaps are having Billy Price, Tyler Eifert, and Kevin Zeitler. And, you know, Zeitler had over a 1,000 snaps, and Eifert and Billy Price only had 673 and 558. So... I mean, you're looking at Joan Williams, John Ross, William Jackson, who we, I think, all really like now, Um, Cedric Abouye, Darquez Denard, and Drake Patrick, going back to 2012, um, haven't gotten any production out of those guys in their rookie season, and, I mean, even guys like John Ross, Cedric Abouye, I think, kind of was the start of the Bengals' demise a little bit from those times when they were making the playoffs five years in a row and actually had a really talented roster and could never... Win a playoff game, but I think we've seen this team kind of come full circle now. Um, And just an unfortunate injury. I know we all really liked Jonah Williams as a prospect. He kind of was a guy. Happens every year where they're just an elite talent, and you know a few maybe slip ups and people start questioning um, their ability maybe as a top prospect. But um, a guy that the Bengals got and wanted to bring in to really shore up that line, and I think we'll now see uh, Cordy Glenn move back out to tackle because they were going to put him at guard. Um, And so they're going to be hurting. I mean, they re-signed Bobby Hart, which was a questionable decision. And the Bengals fans were pretty pissed off about it. And I mean, this line just isn't looking, it's it's pretty much going to be the same as last year, which is uh, not too great.
0: Yeah, not a good sign for the Bengals, who we already, I don't think, had great outlooks on going into this year. But uh, one thing that I think was a little bit of a bright spot was that this offensive line should be a little bit more improved. Uh, with Jonah Williams playing one of the tackle spots and Billy Price, who they drafted last year, but uh, it's probably it's going to be a tough year for in Cincinnati. I think so. This is uh, not good news for them.
2: Also hurts Joe Mixon's sock uh, a little bit in terms of just uh, you know uh, he had a pretty decent season last year that went under the radar, but probably going to be you know running uphill again this year too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Just just not good all around. You guys pretty much covered it. it always sucks to see someone go down before uh, preseason even starts too. You know. Yeah. So it's a real shame, um, but especially you know. in
0: a guy Jonah Williams, who one of the one of the pluses about him was his availability. He I think since his freshman year in Alabama, I mean, played all four years. Um, so it's uh, it's it's weird, you know, that he was one of the more healthy players coming in the draft, and then you get a, a training camp injury like this. Not good. Uh, so let's get into the
2: cliff here. Uh, the back judge has coined many a terms over over the two years of his existence. We got prophecy, boy king. We we adopted say less. You know we we like we we pick, pick our we- monikers. Yes, sir. <laughs> so the the essence of the cliff year is uh, you know a player who has high expectations going into the season or needs to prove something going into this season. Um, and is a pretty significant part of their franchise. Um, it's usually a younger player but not a rookie. Um, and it's it's just a guy who we believe that despite all the hype, maybe the the talk around them that is that is positive, uh, we don't believe that uh, we don't believe it and that this is their cliff year this is the year they fall off the cliff where the rational fans um, learn that they're just not about it they're just not about it they can't they can't handle. The the NFL level and I think a guy that we've seen this with is Blake Bortles Um, you know back when uh, was it 2016 draft we were all clamoring for them to take Deshaun Watson here at the back judge because we knew that that Bortles just wasn't it Um, but obviously the delusional Jags decided to stick with him stick with uh, Leonard Fournette there at the number four pick in that draft and you kind of just see what happens to to teams like that They're, they're scrambling they have a bad year last year they bring in Foles but no doubt would have been a team that would have been better off, um, you know, switching up their situation. And the cliff year does a little bit apply to quarterbacks more so than other positions. But if you can generally just stick it on anybody who has high expectations going into the season that you do not think that they will meet those expectations. And I guess I'll just start off with the, the man who inspired the cliff year. And that is number 10, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh He's a dude who I don't really know. I mean, everybody here in Chicago, especially now, uh, being in the business a little bit, they're, they're really excited about him. And they think that he's going to take this big, you know, third-year leap, second-year of Nagy's system. And the thing I just keep going back to with Trubisky, he was a competent quarterback last year, but he was not a number two overall pick. Nothing special. He's a, like Andy Dalton, Marcus Mariota, Alex Smith-type-level quarterback who, you know, I think was helped out by the change in offense and helped out by the fact that they played a pretty bad schedule. And the way that I see this is that you look at young quarterbacks like Carson Wentz, you look at guys like Pat Mahomes, um, Deshaun Watson, you see that even if they have, this doesn't really apply to Mahomes, but in their rookie seasons at least, or in their first years that they start, you see flashes of the talent you see why that they were picked so high, especially for me in the case of Carson Wentz in his first year. You know, you saw things that were like, okay, I can see, even though the Eagles aren't doing so well, I see why they drafted this guy. He's he's showing elite-level talent for the position. And I just haven't seen anything from Trubisky that suggests that. And, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, it's, you know, 472 rushing yards last year or something like that. I mean, I don't think you can be a running quarterback in the league, and I don't really think that matters that much. I don't, unless you're like Cam Newton and like a physically dominating figure, which Mitch Trubisky isn't. Like, I don't think, I think he uses the mobility as a crutch a lot of times. And we've seen him kind of be a first read quarterback, and if it isn't there, he starts running. And so that's kind of where I'm at with Trubisky. I don't believe the hype at all. I think the Bears, I think he's going to be like Bortles almost. I mean, I think he's better than Bortles is. But it's going to be a situation where he comes into the year, he just isn't that good, and the Bears are going to be forced to stick with him because they've drafted him number two overall, they don't have a first-round pick next year, and they're just going to stick with him and, and you know, say the party line that we're sticking behind Trubisky and we believe he's going to grow. But I just think he's kind of reached his ceiling, and I don't see him becoming anything special anytime soon.
1: Yeah, Clep, um, as I'm sure you, you obviously know, we share this opinion. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, everything you said, and I just want to, you know make it clear that the day of reckoning is coming for Ryan Pace. The day of reckoning is coming, and he will pay for the, the decisions he has made, the poor decisions he has made in the past, um, drafting Trubisky number two and, and making the trade up one pick to do so, being the most notable. And um, Honestly, I think you covered all, mostly all the bases, Klepp. I completely agree. I think the best point you made was the fact that he uses – his ability to run as a crutch, yeah, he's a he's a great athlete. He's got good feet and can and can run with the football, but he's not a running back, and he is he has not proven that. You know, he's like you said, he hasn't shown the flat the flashes of elite level talent. And I'm completely on board with you on the Trubisky cliff year. That's basically like you said, how this term came into fruition was this guy uh, the fall off that we're all uh, presuming to happen. So. And I mean, I'll give, I'll give
2: Tommy a chance to talk here, too, but even going back to last year, on um, Thanksgiving, Chase Daniel comes in, and I know the Lions were on a super impressive team last year, but Chase Daniel comes in and operates the offense just fine, and it's like, I think, I would pick Trubisky over Chase Daniel, like, I'm not, I'm not going to slander him like that, but it's more of just a thing where I don't think this guy brings anything, you know, different to the offense that much. I, you saw Chase Daniel just come in and operate things like normal. Yeah. You know, so it, it, he just doesn't, like, bring much to the table to me that is otherworldly, and I don't think you're going into a game really fearing him.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with both of you guys, and I think that's a real testament to Matt Nagy's play calling and the type of offense that he's designed for his his quarterbacks. And, Clep, uh, I'm 100% with you on the Blake Bortles comparison. As a guy who seems to be a one-read quarterback and doesn't really trust his accuracy, and I mean, once he makes that read, he just wants to take off. Um, and I think that's going to be... Uh, and, I mean, I think the parallels, too, between the Jaguars and the Bears, teams with very good defenses, that he, the, the onus isn't on him to perform as much, and the Bears obviously had a really yeah. good year this year. So the expectations, just like we saw with Bortles last year. As you were saying, they, they made that pick with Fournette at number four, and they got to the AFC Championship, and the Bortles hype was all there, even though he really had a, a good first half against the Patriots, as we've harped on multiple times on this podcast before. Um, so I, I see a very similar similar uh, downturn with Trubisky coming this year, and I'm with you guys. The reckoning is coming, and uh, I think this is definitely a cliff year for Trubisky.
1: Gonna, I, I just one just came into my head, and I'm going to go with a little half a little half cliff year here. I don't want to uh-huh. go all in quite yet, but I could see myself going all in soon. And the, this is might anger the guy next to me a little bit, Jimmy Garoppolo. I I do not have a lot of faith that Garoppolo is going to come back from this ACL injury, and I really don't know if right now, if I had to make a bet on it, that Jimmy Garoppolo will ever look or have the value that he had um, when when the trade for him was made. Uh, I think that the 49ers are going to finish last in that division as I see it right now. We'll, we'll obviously get into the predictions later in the off season, but I think that this is a very um, – a high possibility of a cliff year for Jimmy Garoppolo as well in San Francisco kind of to be uh, you know, at least observing other options at the quarterback position come t- come this time next year.
0: Yeah. I th- I, I'm, I was kind of waiting for you to come to that realization Lee, because I know that you're kind of low on Garoppolo and this really yeah. is um, I'm not hopping on that cliff cliff year uh, bandwagon, but this is a cliff year for Kyle Shanahan too. And that whole organization, this is a huge year for them. Um, I'm not going to, I have a little bit more faith in Jimmy Garoppolo and But obviously this year is a huge frame coming off the ACL. So um, I I like where your logic is and you being logically consistent with your uh, your Niners. niners I appreciate that. And
1: I would just say to the Shanahan thing, Shanahan probably could have a little more time, I think, even if they finished last in the division this year, just because you can say, oh, well, he hasn't really had his quarterback or whatever. The whole Garoppolo thing didn't work out, and he was injured when it when it was supposed to work out. So I think that there's a little bit more pressure on yep. Garoppolo well, than, yeah, than well, that, Shanahan. And, but, and I was yeah. making
0: more of a point about Kyle, uh, Kyle Lynch, too, because that should be, John, or yeah. John Lynch, my fault, that should be a referendum on him as well, because they went out and got their guy. They gave up a second round pick, a high pick. he yeah, yeah, and they paid him before he played a snap for them. So yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh,
0: I'm not with you on that because I have high expectations for the 49ers this year, but you're definitely right. If things go south this year, it's a cliff year for that whole uh, tri- tandem, that
2: triplet. And I mean, the thing with Garoppolo, too, that, that worries me is that I don't really like the group of receivers that they've given him. I mean, you have Kittle, who has somewhat been a, a revelation there despite backdoors uh, harping on his name. Uh, just a few off seasons ago, but I mean, Jordan Matthews, Dante Pettis, and Devo Samuel are going to be your guys, or Jalen Hurd who's a converted running back, and I, I just like, I, and Tommy and I are the big, you know, Marquise Goodwin fans, of you know, big big <laughs> fans of his. But um, I, I just don't love the the surrounding talent that they've given him. Um, I don't know if he's a dude that really elevates um, talent around him yet. Honestly, I mean, that hasn't even been proven for sure. Um. So don't really have we'll, a guy we'll who's see a what's going on. But
1: either. don't really have a guy who can go up and get it. I wouldn't say Jordan no. Matthews has that capability anymore. Honestly. Yeah. Well, I think Kittle just, was, he's, he's just was, bounced around. He's
2: washed up, dude. Yeah. Jordan Matthews is washed up.
0: Well, Kittle, I guess Kittle is kind of their guy, and I have really high expectations for Pettis and Debo. I think these two guys have. Uh, I mean, you can make an argument for them maybe being the the, the nicest, uh, you know, young duo of receivers in the NFL. But uh, obviously we'll have to see uh, where that is, but I do have high expectations for them. All in all, though, this is 100% a potential cliff year for uh, a lot of people in this organization.
2: Just and I mean, just a kind of get into the 49ers here for a second, too, and talk about John Lynch, just a bunch of weird contracts that he's given out. Yeah. Like pay, <clears throat> paying Kyle Juszczyk a ton of money, paying Jarek McKinnon a ton of money, paying Tevin Coleman this offseason, giving Lincoln Thomason money. I mean, they're just handing out like mid-level deals to crap players sometimes. And I mean, and, I mean it's not like Jarek McKinnon's a, a terrible player, but he's not worth what he's getting. Yeah. And I mean, if you have Matt Breida last year running for a thousand yards, and then you just bring in Tevin Coleman, it's like I don't understand what what they're looking to do. And your defense on the back end, in, in my opinion, is pretty horrible.
0: It's,
2: so I, I just don't understand what they're trying to, to accomplish. It's just bizarre uh, team planning on the part of John, Lynch, in my well, opinion. And,
0: and- well, and speaking of another cliff year, potentially Solomon Thomas, who went right after yeah. Mr. Trubisky, and uh, this year I'm a, they're going to move him inside with bringing in D. Ford and Bosa, which supposedly is going to help him, and that's where he's more naturally fit to be more of a uh, agile pass rusher from the inside. But again, and, uh, you're putting a lot of stock in, into this guy, that's, so. and
1: that's another move that you didn't point out, Klepp, is the trade for D. Ford. You gave up a second round pick for D. Ford and drafted Joey Bosa. You better have the best defensive line in the league this yeah. year. Uh, Nick Bosa, yeah. sorry. You better have the best defensive line in the league this year if you're gonna. Based on how you drafted and trading for D Ford, and I think secondary wise, they just signed Richard S- Sherman and expected him to play like 2013 to 2015. Richard Sherman, I I don't really know what they were thinking after the Achilles injury. So I, I don't. Yeah, I, I I think that this is a hardcore sell year for the 49ers, and obviously, like I said earlier, we'll get back to that in the predictions later, but. Jimmy Garoppolo for the, uh, the the halfway cliff year right now is a, is a candidate for me. And another one I'll throw out there, and I'll call it a quarter cliff year, I'll stay in the division, is the boy king, man. I'm not sold on Jared Goff yet. And I know they went to the Super Bowl last year, but, I mean... He was God, trash
0: in that game. He was trash. trash.
1: He was, and, and I still think Jared Goff is not fit to be a starting NFL quarterback, and I do not think he'll ever hoist a Lombardi trophy. So, if the Rams want to, you know capitalize on this great window they have obviously mcveigh's an incredible coach but i think they're that they could be possibly looking at other options a couple years years down the road i don't know when Goff's contract is up. but
0: this is his contract year this year and and they're gonna have to decide if they want to pay him or not and i uh, i think that jared goff is a starting nfl quarterback but i do think he's much more of a system quarterback than maybe many people believe obviously not in this room because we we some boy king believers in here but other than that i mean i wouldn't be surprised if the Rams try to go for a cheap QB replacement and stick with the uh, philosophy they've had of paying for talent all around uh, and, and all of the you know positions that aren't quarterback and sticking with the cheap option at QB and letting McVay kind
1: of be uh, their offense. Well, I mean, I just think it's interesting on the golf point and the contract year thing, like where people are
2: uh, – yeah, it's, it's not necessarily a contract year. It's a year where they can pick up his option.
1: Mm, okay.
2: It's, so it's like a fifth-year option year.
1: Well, I'm just saying, I just wanted to throw out the point where it's like, where would you, how would you compare Goff to Dak? Because it's like, people are saying Dak doesn't deserve, uh, you know, elite level or even solid to, to very good level quarterback money. And it's like, I think Dak is like, maybe not significantly better than Goff, but like notably better than Goff. So I don't, I don't know. know. It's, yeah. I don't know about that. I think he is. I, think- I, I, I absolutely think he is. I think Goff, when, ha- when he has time, I don't like that take. I, I, That's where I'm at right now. People are hating on Dak with all the money that you know is the numbers that are circulating. Jerry Jones saying we're going to pay him what he deserves and whatnot. I think Dak is notably better than Jared Goff, and I think that that is going to be proven yet again this year. It already has been proven throughout their respective careers so far based on statistics. And I think if you throw Dak in that Rams uniform, uh, they have a much better chance to win the Super Bowl. That's all I have to say about that.
0: I'm gonna digress. I mean, yeah, I think that if uh, if Dak could throw a deep ball like Jared Goff, he would be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But I mean, <laughs> I think you can make
1: an argument. I think that if Jared Goff is, if Goff could game like Dak, he'd be one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I don't know, man.
2: Yeah, yeah that, that, that's where I, I think like Jared Goff is probably like regular season. Yeah, I think I'd rather have like Goff than, than Dak, especially if you're gonna talk like what they're worth contract wise. Because I wouldn't pay Dak what he's gonna get from the Cowboys. I, just, I don't know I, if
1: I would either. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I mean, um, and my thing with Goff too is it's like, would you really think like, would you think differently about the Rams if Dwayne Haskins was the quarterback in this team?
1: I, I think Haskins is better than Goff. I think Haskins and Goff are very similar.
2: Yeah, so it's like I, I think he's very much replaceable in, in that sense. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see what they they do in, in that coming up in the next few years here. Um, Tommy, do you have any candidates you want to throw out here?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of the easiest pick, and I'm going to take Marcus Mariota down in Tennessee. Um, this team, you, I think you can make an argument. Are you like, are you
2: calling the cliff year, Tommy? Yeah, are you I'm calling, I'm, for I'm it?
0: calling the, the cliff year because I think when you look at this team's roster, they they don't really have a lot of holes except for the quarterback position, and they could be a, a team, especially next year with a loaded quarterback class, that why not, why not go out and get your guy and replace Marcus Mariota because – one, he hasn't been healthy, and that's—I mean—availability is the best uh, ability, as you know, as the saying goes. And then when he is healthy, he's—he's um, he's very limited as a passer, and I just—he—he do, he just doesn't have that it factor for me. And I think that this is a Tennessee team that's doing a lot of good things. I like what Vrabel's doing, um, and despite the fact that Mariota's got them to the playoffs, um, and I mean, in this past year too. He, he he didn't play, and Vrabel was calling him out because he didn't play in the last game. There's some internal, uh, I think, some internal conflict there. So I just think that this is, uh, everything's going to come to a head this year. I, I like I like uh, Indianapolis more. I, I mean, there's just like a lot he's of... He's soft. He's soft. soft. He is and Vrabel's soft.
1: hard. And that's not, that's yeah. a problem. That's a problem. If your head coach is... A former linebacker at Ohio State and an extreme, just Super Bowl nuts and bolts guy. Like, they, this guy is a hand in the dirt type of coach. And Mariota's got a history of being soft. He's a sweet hearted Hawaiian kid who is a great athlete and, and has great natural. He's got good natural arm talent. He's not, a, you can't throw the ball with extreme power and he's not very consistent. But I just think that that is a good point, Tommy. And I would back up that cliff here. But I would. I don't know if I would necessarily call it a cliff year because I don't think I feel like Trubisky's done even more climbing than Mariota in a way where, like you were saying, Adam, the Bears. You know, fans like the
2: expectations like aren't like, as high. Like I would exactly. I would assume like everyone in Tennessee is kind of expecting it.
1: People in Chicago think Trubisky is like the future. They think that he can yeah. be an elite quarterback. They still think he he's can hold his salt as a number two pick or whatever. So I don't know.
2: Well, let me let me have that segue into my my big uh, reporter. Moment of the week presented by Modelo, and you know, just embarrassing moment. Um, I'm at the Trubisky camp on uh, yesterday, Wednesday afternoon. Um, he's like doing some camp with the kids out in Lake Forest, and you know, right after on uh, he just did another one on on Saturday or Sunday. So he's doing a nice little camp tour w- with the kids, and uh, you know, he comes over to the little podium thing. He does his little stand-up interview. Like, for five minutes, he walks away, and some dude who was, like, periscoping the thing, like, on his phone the whole time, like, kneeling down in front of him to, like, get the perfect shot, like, Trubisky goes over to a table and starts, like, signing mini helmets for a raffle or something like that, and this guy makes a point to go over and, like, shake his hand and be like, oh, you know, I'm so happy to have you in Chicago. Like just such a suck up, like oh oh this guy goes to two youth camps and and he's just he's just a god these days and you're just and all, all this guy wants he's just a selfish punk who just wants to say that he shook his hand yes. and said he's happy to have him in the in the city of Chicago like have have some professionalism out here
1: exactly like, man
2: it's just, it's just a joke
1: we can revert back to when I saw Matthew Stafford in Ann Arbor and I gave him his time that's all I'm gonna say yep, yep. I gave the man sometimes you got to give a man his time.
2: So, um, um, so is that that's the cliff here, boys? Is anybody else that you on your minds, or are we ready to roll on here?
1: I'll, I'll throw I'll throw Lamar Jackson in there as a again. I'm not going to go all in on the hard sell Trubisky level cliff here. Yeah, because he hasn't
2: climbed yet. He hasn't climbed, hasn't climbed yet.
1: But what the hell is going on in Baltimore? Is my question. A report. What was it like two weeks ago? Maybe a little bit more that. Lamar Jackson didn't even know they were changing the offense. I, I don't know who the new uh, O coordinator is, but uh, things are changing around, and I do not think, like I've said you know, many a times before in this podcast, Lamar Jackson, you can't really teach accuracy uh, once you're in the NFL, and I don't think Lamar Jackson, similar to Mariota, has the consistent consistency in accuracy uh, to be a starting level NFL quarterback, and I think that in turn, uh, with the offensive change in in Baltimore leaning towards throwing the ball more, that this offense will suffer due to that.
2: He said Greg Roman.
1: Greg Roman, yep.
2: Yeah. Uh, He he was a guy who was in the building the last few years while Marty Morningway was the OC. And so now that he's been promoted, Lamar Jackson came in and was unaware that Greg Roman would be uh, putting his own little spin on the offense, apparently. Yeah,
1: new era eight. (laughs)
2: All right, well, let's get into my uh, super special topic of the day. And it, it's been something that has kind of gotten us talking on, on the last episode, but we didn't really uh, dive into it that much. Uh, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. And I just wanted to kind of talk about them because when we did our head coaching thing uh, back at Seeley 2 Studios, um, we were we were dumping a little bit on, on this Cliff Kingsbury hi- uh, hire at least I remember myself not being in favor of it, and you know maybe you guys can defend yourselves if I misinterpreted. But it seemed like as a group we were, um, un- you know, not exactly in favor of this hire. And now that they've brought in Kyler Murray, at least with you two, I feel like your opinions on this team have changed. Whereas I'm still pretty skeptical. Um, I just kind of want to see where you guys are at right now with this team.
1: Well, first of all, I just want to clear up how, kind of how my mind changed a little bit, and that was a, from a very unlikely source, and i got to give credit to Will Cain. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Will Kane on ESPN, but I was watching the Will Cain show one day. I was pretty bored, and uh, he just made a really good point about how many elite coaches are in the NFL, and I could really only name five or maybe fringe six, and when you're hiring a coach, like McVay is already considered elite. Why not swing for the fences? Why not try to get an offensive savant? I know Kingsbury has had definitely a less than spectacular past, being a being a head coach at Texas Tech, his alma mater. Huge expectations from him, uh, from the boosters and the AD there, and really never even got close to fulfilling the expectations. And I just think that obviously I'm a huge sucker for Kyler Murray. I'm, I'm like probably one of his one of his biggest fans in the world. So I think that that obviously helped uh, me warm up to the Arizona Cardinals, but. When I looked up and down this roster, and I think Tommy can back me up, after you made the point about David Johnson having a really good year, and I just thought to myself, uh, like Tommy said earlier, trying to be consistent with my logic a little bit, if I think Kyler Murray's going to have a really good year, and I think David Johnson's going to have a really good year, and I think that their defense is better than the 49ers defense, and kind of has the potential to be on par with the Seahawks defense, why am I ruling this team out? I think that they had a top-five draft. I think they've got really good young receivers. I think Larry Fitzgerald has still got good football left in him and is going to tutor the young receivers well. And I just think that this could be kind of a year where the Cardinals uh, surprise some people. they got a fourth-place schedule, obviously. And I don't know. I just think that there's a lot of talent on this team and not a lot of people are talking about it. Also, to, to finish what I'm saying, I know that all these reports from teammates don't mean too much, but everyone in that facility has bought in with Kyler. Everyone's saying that he handles himself like a veteran. He's got control of the huddle. They're 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 surprised by the velocity and whip on his on his ball and that he's extremely accurate and I just think that I'm almost not surprised by any of it, any of it. and all if any of this is is true and consistent I I, I like this team a lot. Yeah, I'm just going to back everything that
0: you just said and in, in terms of the Kingsbury hire, I definitely was not a big fan of it when it happened, but the fact that they're going they went all in all in and you know they hired Kingsbury, they brought in Kyler Murray. I just have a lot. I think that this team's floor offensively is going to be very high, and they're going to be a team that's going to be, you know, by default of their high powered offense, which I have a lot of confidence in. Um, I think they're going to be in a lot of football games. I think, especially after seeing, um, you know, uh, my skepticism with the Chiefs last year and thinking that how, and I'm not saying that uh, obviously Patrick Mahomes is. Is, is a great quarterback and proved a lot of a lot of people of who he was last year. I just think that the piece the pieces are in place in Arizona for them to 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 put up the gaudy numbers that we saw in uh in, in Kansas City and I think their defense is better than the Chiefs defense was last year. Obviously Hassan Riddick needs to have a big year, but they brought in a. Uh, uh, who's the linebacker from from Philly who's had who's had injuries? Jordan, Jordan, Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks. T-shizzle. Jordan Jordan Hicks, who went healthy, I think, is one of the better linebackers in the NFL. Obviously, he hasn't been healthy. You got Chandler Jones, who's an elite edge rusher coming off the edge, and then Patrick Peterson, Buddha Baker, uh, and bringing in my boy Byron Murphy in the secondary. I just like a lot of the things that this this team did, and it also just comes down to Kyler Murray, and I think that Kyler Murray could win the MVP this year. And if if you have that belief you know, then why don't, you know, this team's
1: going to team's gonna be there. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. I think that, you know, and if Cliff Kingsbury is the neo-coach, uh, you know, archetype that, you know, some believe he is, obviously the brass in Arizona believes he is, then he's going to take pages out of Andy Reid's book. He's going to make uh, the offense easy for Kyler Murray. He's going to make the reads quick. He's going to get the ball out to the running backs in the flat. And, 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 you know, I just think that Kingsbury is, is you know, I just think that there's a little bit of forward thinking there that I didn't really take into account uh, when the hire was initially made.
0: And something that I think is is worth mentioning too, I think that uh, it's easier for head coaches um, in their first year perhaps. And uh, when you see a guy like, uh, and, and for players too, before they get, uh, you know, quote unquote figured out, there's a there's a there's an air of mystery with Kyler Murray. Obviously, um, you know I I you see with with a guy like Robert Griffin in his in his rookie year where you you, you there's almost it's almost easier to make those because big. Because
2: like Nagy in Chicago.
0: Yes, 100 percent exactly. Um, I, you know these they ha- there hasn't been any there's no figuring out. We don't really know. We have an idea what this offense can look like, but. Uh, you know, the cat is not yet out of the bag. So I think there's a air surprise, especially with the, fir- the fourth place schedule that Lee was talking about. And especially because I think they're going to whoop the lion's ass in week one. Excuse my French. And I just think it's going to get it off to a good year. So I just like a lot of, I like the direction that this team is going in.
1: Tommy's got to throw that slight in there. That, that's, a, that's a little bit of a sour slight. But I, I do not, I'm not, I'm not happy we, with
2: that. Are we, we, we going to drop a week one Word here? <laughs>
1: Me, am I absolutely not? If I, you can, you can, you can, you can be on your I ain't worried island, Clep. I would advise you to not do that. But
0: the real question is if we can switch over to the Lions, Clep, Have you have you got your juice yet? Have, where, where do you what do you think about the Lions? Have you got your, if you got your Clep, be pondering. I think we're gonna get ten wins this year. Is that? I, I,
2: I'm still I'm still chilling right now. I'm gonna all see right, if right. uh, I'm gonna see if snacks and slay show up by week two of training camp.
1: Just wait till he gets a few yaps in him out on that smoker's
0: porch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Once it's around July 15th and, and clubs get a couple of
1: yaps in him. <sighs> it, it, it might come
2: sooner than that. Everyone uh, everyone is leaving for the 4th of July to uh, Allie's Lake house in Traverse City and I'm staying behind to work. Oh, yeah. So I, I think I'm going to have some, some solo nights out on oh, the yeah. porch. Get me, get me my Super Bowl prediction
1: yeah.
2: going like, like I did last year. Just some, some nice NFL, NFL solo time.
1: I love it. Uh, that pretty much covers it, eh? Yes, sir. Also, uh, on the Cardinals,
0: we should bring up that Connor Ryan got us out to that Detroit, uh, the, the the Rocket Mortgage, Mortgage Pro Am, and I had some words with Larry Fitzgerald, and that has just even yeah. made me
2: coming in the intro or put it in, in the show.
0: You got you me uh, quote unquote. You you guys are up to something. That's what I said because I believe they're up to something. Um, so yeah, that, that was uh, you know that was awesome, and Larry Fitzgerald, man, just what a guy. Physical specimen. I just, I'm expecting big things out of them. This pros, year. pro, pros, pros, right.
2: Well, so I, I would, I would say that you know, late June here, it's, it's about time for division preview season. Yep.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Ne- next time we, next time you hear us, uh, I think we'll be previewing a division here. I, I don't know exactly which one. I feel like last year we started out with the AFC West and worked yeah. our way to the East, but. We can always throw a curveball depending on you know who we haven't exactly talked about so far in our two off-season shows, but uh, this is this is back to season.
0: Yeah, so it's it's a great time of year, and we're I mean we're about a month away from when everybody starts to report, right? It's like July 20s, yep. something like that. So we're definitely in a division preview season.